Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So what does the signing of Giovanni Bernard do to the Bucks' running back room? How does it all shake out with Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, and Keyshawn Vaughn? The Bucks aren't content with having just 22 starters back. They want their backups, too. We'll tell you about that. The NFL has released its offseason schedule. We'll tell you what's really behind the Bucks and other teams boycotting their offseason workout program. And the Tampa Bay Lightning had some lineup changes Thursday night against the Panthers. Why did John Cooper make those moves? We got all that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. And Steve... Breaking news, uh, it was uh, maybe heartbreaking news, I should say, on Thursday morning. Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez have called it quits. They are Splitsville. J-Lo's available? <laughs> she is, I guess. Um, again, she's available again. And um, who saw that coming? Except maybe everybody. Look, they had gotten engaged. Like He he'd bought a, an enormous ring and, and it looked like they were going to uh, head down the aisle, I think. I think she's been married three times. I'm not sure. Um, two or three times. But uh, regardless, there were rumors a couple months ago or a month or so ago, and they sort of denied them. But they came out and said that uh, they feel like they were just b- better off as, as good friends um, than, as a, uh, than as a couple. So they will go their separate ways. Now, what would have happened if they would have won the bid for the Mets? Remember, they were in the bidding. To they buy the were. Mets. Well, yeah, they would have been. They would have been uh, business partners instead of. Uh, they would have had to learn to work together, I suppose, if they had gotten that. He went out and uh, isn't he now part of an ownership group that's uh, getting the Minnesota Timberwolves? Yes, he's part of a group that I don't know if it's a done deal, but it looks like they are. They're negotiating to buy that from Glenn Taylor there in Minnesota. Yeah. So you know, there's there's a different ownership that she's not a part of. I don't know. Uh, you know, a surprise. They announced it on uh, today. I, I thought they would be waiting for tonight. <laughs> ah. Ah, I had to do it. All right, uh, let's get to uh, let's get to where we want to start. We'll start with the Bucks, and we'll start with uh, Giovanni Bernard, who we talked to a couple days ago. I had never uh, heard an interview. I don't know why he's been in the league eight years. Uh, really good running back in North Carolina. Obviously, mm-hmm. played for the Bengals, which you know uh, all that time his entire career. Mm-hmm. to this point and um but what a uh what an impressive guy is in terms of his interview um and and i didn't know, you know i knew he went to uh, fort lauderdale st thomas aquinas you know he was um you know a terrific running back there and and he's coming back to his home state which is which is a bonus i think for him he said that you know his dad he's happy his dad's not a big airplane guy he said but he was happy that he could drive from Fort Lauderdale up to, uh, you know, to see some games. But, you know, this is the piece, in my opinion, this was the piece, even though they won the Super Bowl, and even though, you know, you can't do better than 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 taking home the Lombardi or, or taking it at home, as the case was. But I felt like there, if there was one thing missing from their offense that Tom Brady really struggled with, that would have made, I think, his transition a lot easier. It was 
a pass catching running back. You know, he's always sort of had that guy right um, in his career with with the New England Patriots. Now, that's not to say everyone's going to say, well, Leonard Fournette caught 70 passes. Yeah, I know. He caught a lot of balls in Jacksonville. I think Ronald Jones, you know, worked hard on uh, trying to become a better receiver. But at the end of the day, they led the NFL, the running backs did, in drop passes. They As running backs, they dropped 17 passes. And that's a lot. Okay, sure felt like more than that. Yeah, I know, right? But but I think I think both uh, Ronald and Leonard dropped seven each. Um, but, you know, those are – a lot of times those come on third downs. Those are check downs. And, and think about, you know – that could be three more plays, right? Uh, which could lead to three more plays and a lot more, a lot more opportunities. And when you have a vertical passing game the way the Bucks do, you really want to be able to, especially Tom doesn't want to sit back there and hold the ball. You want to be able to to work the underneath because there's so much attention downfield that you're getting matchups on linebackers. But it's 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 one thing to you know uh, to have a guy that just runs the screen game or you know goes out, turns around, catches a pass, and tries to make somebody miss. But the thing about Bernard is he's an excellent route runner. He can run the entire route tree, and you can move him out of the backfield and isolate him on linebackers or safeties, um, and it's a, it's a much easier read for the quarterback. He's also, even though he's only about what, five foot nine, 200-and-something pounds, he's one hell of a blocker. You know, like mm-hmm. he he really does a nice job with leverage and – um, you know, protecting the quarterback is really big to him. He he recognizes that that's sort of the the franchise back there. So I mean, you watched him play for the Bengals. I I think this was a, a really good pickup for a guy that did. He came in with essentially a minimum salary as well. This is a huge pickup for the the Buccaneers and Tom Brady particularly, which is why we've seen the reports that it was Bruce Arians and Brady him, themselves recruiting him here. They did knowing that. This offense with a running back that can catch the ball out of the backfield and actually catch it, you know, mm-hmm. I, mean, I know, you know, you talked about Fournette's 70 catches prior, but last year he was not good catching no, the ball out of the backfield. No, he wouldn't. Uh, Ronald Jones has never been good catching the ball out of the backfield. Right. And they knew that when they drafted him. Of course, that's they right. didn't have Tom Brady at the time, knowing that's a big part of your offense or what Tom likes to do. Sure. So this, this to me, this may be the biggest upgrade you could have made to this offense this offseason, period. I mean, not that you needed to upgrade much, but – you know, could you find a, a better, you know, back that to run the ball? Maybe. Sure. Could you find a better receiver than maybe your third or fourth receiver? Sure. You could upgrade that or, you know, but to find a running back that can do something none of your other running backs can do that Tom, that we know Tom Brady likes and can only help your passing game, including the vertical passing game, because now you've got to stay cover underneath. This is a huge signing for, for the Buccaneers. And I, I just think it makes this offense so much better. Yeah, it does. And, and you know, uh, you mentioned that, that Brady and Arians did call him to sort of recruit him. I don't know how much recruiting they had to do um, because Bernard, as it turns out, has been friends with James White, who were the, the Patriots running back, who resigned with the Patriots. We thought White might be that guy that would come here as a free agent. He went back to New England. And, of course, that's that was Brady's guy, right, when they won Super Bowls. And, and he's had a bunch of others through the years. Um, but that was the most recent back that caught a lot of passes. And he talked to James White about it. And, of course, White and him were teammates in Fort Lauderdale. They've known each other since middle school. Um, so, so obviously, you know, knowing, knowing Tom, knowing how to, what it's like to be able to work with Tom, you know, all those things James White was able to impart on him that just reinforced that, that he was making the right decision. 
Absolutely. And, and, you know, and we saw this last year with, you know, Gronkowski and Antonio Brown and, and, you know, who doesn't want to come play with Tom Brady, right. Even if, you know, and, and, and to have someone that, you know, that says, Hey, you absolutely go do that. And, and you see the success James White had with Tom Brady as his, as his quarterback. I mean, you know, Giovanni Bernard has to be the happiest guy in the world right now. He really sounded like it. You know, it was funny because understand this too. When he got to the Bengals, they were good. And they were good for, you know, they, they made three straight playoffs with yep. him there. They lost in the wild card all three years, but he added something to that football team. Yes, he did. Him and Andy Dalton were really good together. He talked about the chemistry he built with Andy because you have to see the field the same way. You're talking about option routes and you got to know where the leverage is. And they really got on the same page. And the thing Bernard can do is not just catch the football, but he makes a lot of yards after the catch. He had a game against Arizona that I know Bruce Arians remembers where he went off for about 130 yards on the Cardinals. And that's a lot of receiving yards for a running back. Um, but when he got, when he, you know, when he decided after talking to Tom and BA, they didn't talk so much about his role, you know, which I think is fairly obvious that he's going to be their third down guy. That's not to say he can't run the football, but he's kind of, kind of taken on the role that Shady McCoy would have had if, if, uh, if he had continued to play more, but, but they kind of restricted it to two backs and then got Keyshawn Vaughn in, involved. Um, but what really sold him was the vibe, you know, uh, because for five straight years, you know, the Bengals have not made the playoffs. They've had some really, really down years during that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, you know, and, and he has nothing bad to say about, about Cincinnati or the Brown family that owns the Bengals, none of that. There's, there's no axes to grind, although they did release him late in the process. I mean, this could have hurt him potentially had he been released before the start of free agency. There might have been more jobs, more money, all of that. So they didn't do him any favors by when they released him. But regardless, he goes, you know, it is what it is. What excited him about this place is that he walks in the building, and, and B.A. And, and Tom had talked about this, but he walks in the building, he says, you could already feel the difference in the atmosphere. As soon as I walked in, um, you know, whether it's uh, the facility staff or the cooks or the guys in the training room, because just everybody here, he goes, there's still an excitement. The place is still buzzing. And he says, you know, they won one last year, um, but they're still just as excited, you know, for their next run. And of course he, he would love to win a Super Bowl uh, before his career is over. He's played in three playoff games, never won any of them. Um, and so that was a big attraction that and Tom, like as you mentioned himself, I mean that's that's such a big thing too. But um, yeah, I just it, it just it feels like a it feels like a good fit. And he grew up because he was, you know, uh, from South Florida uh, back in the day when he was a kid. That's when the Bucks' last Super Bowl run occurred. You know, back in two thousand two season, and he was a Bucks fan. He was mostly a Warwick Dunn fan. And there's a a, a picture of him as a young as a younger kid. And I, I posted it on TampaBay.com in my story of him wearing Warwick Dunn's jersey. And he goes, as I got to know a lot of the players on that team because, you know, they were good and they and they were in the state of Florida and I followed them. He says, I was a big fan about what they did off the field. I mean, guys like John Lynch and Derek Brooks and, of course, Warwick Dunn, um, you know, even today. And, and uh, you know, to hear, to hear Bernard talk, it, it, it just really – makes you feel like sort of his character is in line with those type of guys. He wants to make a difference, not just on the field, but in the community too. So yeah, I think this is a great addition. And like you said, they're going to get, you know, if everyone were to stay healthy and they're all back, they would be better because they're going to have an off season. Presumably we'll get to that in a minute. 
Um, they're in the second year of their offense with Tom. Tom's not trying to learn uh, not just the offense, but also his teammates, you know. So, you know, he, he remember that call right after the Super Bowl at 8 o'clock in the morning to Clyde Christian, he thinks they're going to be better. Well, now here's something you can look at and say, no, no, no. Here's a piece they didn't have. Now you add this mm-hmm. to Fournette and those guys. And to your point, I think I think they're going to be a lot better. Well, and the vibe must be really good at, at one buck place because they really are bringing everybody back from last year. <laughs> yeah, they are. Because this week they've signed, what, Ross Cockrell? Yeah. They've signed Steve McClendon's back. Right. I mean, you guys are doing stories on covering the draft and who the Bucks may draft. They don't need to draft it. They can just forfeit their picks. They've got the whole team back. There's no room. Well, there's not going to be much room to make this team. I mean, if you know, if you start with the 22 starters and then there were some backups already under contract, it's not like everybody left, right? They had some guys coming back under contract that may not have been starters. And now, you know, you bring back, um, you know, those, those guys like Cockrell. And I just think that, you know, and, and it doesn't guarantee them spots. They're all signing sort of minimum deals, like veteran minimum deals, a million dollars, and they get paid more based on starts. Both those guys had huge impacts on the defense. I mean, remember, Vitavea got hurt, and they needed somebody for depth to be able to play the run, and they didn't. They didn't fall off there. Um, Cockrell, I think, uh, started a couple games. He played in about eight games, and he's a veteran. He's played for three other teams: the Steelers and Panthers and such. So he was really good. But you're right. How many draft? How many picks are there on this roster for a for a draft pick to make it now? Part of this is actually sort of an opportunity. If you go into it as as the Bucks will, and you're picking 32nd in the first round, but if you go into it saying, hey, you know what? We don't have that many spots on this football team right now. Now, you want to build with an eye to the future. There's no question about that. But you could package together some draft picks and move up um, in any round if you wanted to and reduce the number. You know, I think right now they're going to have seven um, but you could reduce that, you know, by trading away some guys as well, knowing that there's just not a lot of a lot of openings. You well, know, if there's somebody you want to target, say, a, you know, pick 20 or you know, right. in that range, 20, right. 23, 24, that sure. somebody you may have had as you know, 16th on your board is still sitting there. Right. You could absolutely do that if you mm-hmm. think it's an impact player and somebody that's, you know, you can really build not just now, but the future around. You absolutely could package that up. Yeah, so I mean, I think that's uh, you know going to be a good strategy of theirs going forward. And um, they say they're going to get the best player. They definitely have needs and defensive line and interior offensive line and things like that. But that may not line up. There may not be a defensive tackle taken in the first round. I mean, that's just the kind of draft it is. So you go with the best player, and yeah, if there's one that's close, then uh, then why not go get them? So it's going to be something to watch. Now that's assuming that we're going to have football as we know it. And right now, even though the NFL has is planning to have their entire offseason, the players don't want it. They want it to be virtual. And uh, Tom Jones and I got into this a little bit the other night, but, you know, looking at it, looking at it some more, you know, the league has come out and basically released the schedule. And they said, here it is. Here's the offseason. Okay, starting on uh, Monday, I guess it would be, let's see, April 19th. That's Monday, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, starting Monday until May 14th, and this is the league's decision here. They already want to start with virtual meetings, okay, two hours per day at the club's discretion. On-field workout is not going to be allowed, okay, so um, you can't work with coaches, and there's there's limits at the facilities for, for weight rooms, although they, they have no trouble, you know, with, with players going in there and, and lifting and, and working out. Um, and and also, 
you know, they're trying to get their players vaccinated. There's going to be a big push to have the players, the staff, and their families vaccinated. Phase two, which is like May 17th to the 21st, you can have uh, some on-field drills that are permitted uh, with coaches. It's just position coaches, though. Uh, and and then, you know, the CBA uh, limits some things. Like you, it has to be at a teaching pace. There can't be contact, that sort of thing. Then phase three, when you get to phase three, May 24th to around June 18th, you have 10 days of full-speed OTAs without contact. We all know what OTAs are, organized team activities. They're practices, essentially. You can have in-person meetings or virtual. It's up to the club. Um, you have to have one mandatory minicamp during this phase. And then uh, the rookie minicamps and, and all that stuff remains unchanged. So there's going to be a rookie minicamp. Typically that happens either the week after the draft or two weeks after the draft. And those players are, are about to enter the union once they're drafted. But, you know, the the players union and, that, and the Bucks are one of those teams. I saw Detroit, Seattle. There might be a couple more since uh, by the time we finish this podcast that have put out statements through the NFLPA saying, you know what, um, we are committed to, to being the best team we can be and to each other, but we, with COVID going on right now and the interest of safety to ourselves and our families, uh, we are not going to attend the off-season workout program. Good luck. And, um, and I just, you know, you, you kind of step back and you go, okay, why is this happening? Is it really COVID? I mean, I suppose for some that might be a concern, except that last year, once they got the protocols in place, once they they actually began what was their training camp and they canceled the preseason games, I think throughout there throughout the year, the, you know, the, the training facilities were some of the safest places in, in the country. I mean, their infection rate was like zero zero point one something. So you can't really say that, you know, you're, you're less safe necessarily, especially with the protocols they had in place. Now I know they're going to change and they're trying to get all their players vaccinated. And, and that would certainly make it even safer if, if they were able to accomplish that. But folks, this is not about COVID in my opinion, for some, it may be, but for the larger, larger group, I just think this is in just you know, breaking news here. It's about the money or rather the lack of money, because these players just experienced a, a football season, in which they played, under all these protocols, and they didn't have you know the off season. They did it all virtually, every bit of it. Okay, and they didn't see a, a, a perceptible drop off in the level of play once they started the season. Now you could say, well, I could probably go back and see where some young players, in particular, are hurt by this. We can get into that, but for the most part, players don't get paid in the off season. Okay. They get their checks during the regular season for those 17 weeks with the bye week. Now it's going to be 17 games. Although next year I saw where um, the union has agreed, I think, in the league, they're going to pay them, um, you know, through 34 weeks. So they'll be splitting up, you know, their contracts to help spread the money out for some players or whatever. But at the end of the day, unless you have a workout bonus, and some players do, um, you're not getting paid. And, and, and they can say it's voluntary all they want to, but we all know what voluntary means, right? Um, it means they expect they're, they're, they're taking attendance. So anybody, anytime they're going to check off marks and see who's there and who's not, uh, that means somebody else is taking your rep at your position, et cetera. And we'll get into what BA's theory is. But this, as far as I can tell, and I've talked to some people around the league that are, you know, cover unions and, and especially the NFLPA, I think it's just simply that they like their freedom. They like the freedom that they have. 
like you and I would have if we're not getting paid and it's our time. We want it to be our time. Well, I think, you know, I, I agree it's probably not COVID. And in particular with the Bucks, half the team was working out with Tom Brady before the, the preseason or the, you know, training yeah. camp started. So it wasn't about COVID then either. And they were told um, not to by the union and they continue right. to work out. Yeah. Now, and, and look, is it about money? Absolutely it is. But it's also mm-hmm. about last year they went with all this and everything seemed to go pretty smooth. Yeah. So, you know, much like you and Tom were talking about the other day is, you know, why does the NHL have morning skates every morning? Mm-hmm. You know, they don't need those necessarily. Or why does baseball do some of the things it does? And a lot of it's because we've always done it that way or it's been, you know, for a long time. And, and this is a chance for the players union to go. We don't need all this extra stuff. That's right. You know, if we're worried about That's injuries. Right. We're worried about this. Then then let's mm-hmm. do less of this. Uh, right. I, I can't imagine it's because the players enjoy being on Zoom calls. So it's got to be something else than that, because if they've been like me over the last year, I'm oh, tired. God. I know we all are. Yeah. But there's, so, you know what they also don't enjoy, though? They don't enjoy meeting rooms. If you're a veteran player that knows the offense and knows the defense, yep. it's 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 all repeat for them. They're not learning anything new, right? Yep. Um, so it, it's, you know, I can be a – I mean, I can, you know, on a virtual call or, or a Zoom meeting, I can turn my camera off and walk away. Who knows where I'm at, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have to sit there the whole time. I mean, it's just different. It's just different. Even, even though we hate it. And I never want to see a Zoom again. I know I'm going to see more. Um, but for these guys, I can be on vacation at Disney or, you know, in at golfing at Pebble Beach. And as long as I have a laptop or someplace mm-hmm. or a phone, I can plug myself into that meeting for an hour. And I'm not interrupting anything except for that hour. Yep. Versus, hey, I got to get up. I got to drive to the facility. I got to be there that day. I got to do it the next day. I got to do it the next day. And I'm doing it four days a week. And oh, by the way, I might get a three three day weekend after that. So I just think it's yeah, I, I think it's it's fairly simple to me. There could be more to it, but I think it's just hey, you know what? It's our time. We're reclaiming our time. We did it last year. We liked it, and we want to continue it. Now, where I think it gets interesting, and, and where we may not know is, we know like with teams with new coaches, right? They get more time. They get That's an extra, tough. yeah, and stuff like that. So. You know, if you have a new coaching staff, new organization, I mean, you know, we were worried about that last year and in, in, in the first 12 weeks of the season, maybe you saw that a little bit with Tom Brady. No doubt. And didn't have the chemistry in it. Now, granted, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. He's at a much better advantage than some other new quarterback coming into any other team. Right. Because he's just that good. But, you know, when you have new quarterbacks, new systems, new coordinators at, at teams, you know, if you start eliminating a lot of that offseason stuff, it'll be interesting how that affects seasons or particularly the first month or two of a season. Now, assuming you're going to get some preseason games this year, unlike last year, that will Three, help in that yeah. regard. Yeah. You know, assuming that they, they will play them and, and, and they mm-hmm. occur. Well, you think they will. They're, mm-hmm. they're planning on it. But, you know, who knows what August looks like by this point. Yeah, they're supposed to have three preseason games. And, and uh, you know, to your point, I mean, I think, you know, it, it, not many quarterbacks aside from a Tom Brady would be able to challenge themselves to learn, to well, learn the terminology and all that. And he was out at, he was out with his play with his teammates, right? Not coaches, not, not Byron Leftwich. He was out with his teammates at Berkeley prep and they were teaching him the offense. Now just imagine, you know, if you're a new player coming in here or what, I mean, we talked all year. Anytime we talked about what Brady was attempting to do is like, well, you had no off season. You, you know, you use a new offense, all that stuff. Um, 
how much better would it have been had he been able to work out with the coaches, with the players at, at one buck place. And the same is true now. The other thing that's confounding to me, because they talk about player safety and this sort of thing, you and I both know that Russell Wilson and Tom Brady and, and probably Aaron Rodgers, some of these guys, they're most of them are going to get together with their teammates someplace. They're going to go somewhere, okay? And they're going to want to work out. Hell, if you're an offensive lineman, you can't do anything, so you're not going to be at those passing camps. But you're going you're gonna to have to use your gym membership, right, if you're not going mm-hmm. to the facility to work out. So are you safer there? You're going to tell me you're safer at a well you know, planet fitness than you are at one buck place. And that's one of the things the NFL gets out of this. If they don't do these workouts and, and, and you know, the NFL was very clear, you get hurt away from the, this facility and you're not There's no protection. Paid for it. Yeah. No injury protection whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You, you go out here at Berkeley, which is a turf field. It's not uh, artificial mm-hmm. surface. It's not grass. It's not forgiving. You tear up a knee. And if you're my, if you're Mike Evans, you know, you're, $14 million is not going in your pocket. That'd be enough for me not to go work out somewhere else. I mean, I, and I know he did it last year. He took the risk last year too, mm-hmm. but last year was a little different. They closed the facility. You didn't have the option, right? It was either do this or, and then Brady's very persuasive, but now they have the option. Now they don't have to take that chance. Right. And still, at least according to their statement through the NFLPA, the, the bucks have decided not to go out you know, not, not to come to practice and, and they're going to stay out together. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how long this goes on. If there'll be stragglers that, you know, cause I, first of all, if Tom Brady decides, you know what, as a team, I know you guys put out this statement, you know, he told me about it by the way. And I don't know if they did or not, but if he says, I'm going to one buck place and I'm going to be, I'm going to be throwing to somebody at 6.30 in the morning on Thursday, how many of those players do you think are going to join him? All how about all of them? Yeah. How about every receiver and tight end is going to be on that field with him? So, you know, it, it sounds good, and Bradley Pinion is the is the union uh, representative for the Bucks now. He used to be Mally Marpet. It's now, it's now the punter. Um, nothing wrong with that. He's, you know, a key part of the team. But the point is he's going to have to keep, you know, continuity and, 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 and see if he can hold the rank and file of these union members to stay out. And I'm saying they're going to do what Brady does, but if Brady honors that decision, he's still going to go someplace with these players and they're still going to show up and they're going to be at risk. And it's just, you know, there's not a lot of, and, you know, and, and Bruce Arians is on record as saying, look, I think this is about, a lot of it is about veteran players. They know that if the rookies can't, work out and learn and uh, uh, get up to speed and get the 400 reps that they missed in, in off season last year that they can't possibly take their jobs. And so they're perfectly fine with this. Now that's some deep thinking. I don't no, know. I, I'm sure that's part of it, but there's but, probably some that think that way. But then you have the other part too, is how many teams are taking quarterbacks in the first four picks this year that presumably they're going to start game one. You got to have them in, right? Wouldn't you want to have more time with that yes. quarterback on your team? Every player on that team wouldn't want Trevor Lawrence, yes. Trey Lance, Mac Jones, right? Justin Fields, right? Uh, which quarterback? I'm forgetting one of them. Um, well, even if you're the Rams and you want to know what Zach Matthew Wilson. Stafford is Zach all Wilson. about, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, you know, there are guys, I mean, 
Jared Goff yeah. in Detroit. Jared Goff in Detroit. Are we? Are they not going to get together? And 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 wouldn't they benefit from being with an again a new head coach in Detroit, a new quarterback, a whole new team, bunch of teammates? Even Jameis in New Orleans. I mean, he Jameis was there last Orleans, year, but absolutely. but Drew Brees was getting most of the reps, not Jameis or Taysom Hill. Right. So are we going to see Michael Thomas and Taysom Hill out here at the Skyway? Uh, you know, <laughs> throwing to Jameis. I mean, we might. Right. The Saints might mm-hmm. be. Why not? I mean, everybody else is coming down here to work out. Um, Toronto's playing, you know, the Blue Jays are in Dunedin and the Raptors are at Emily. So, uh, why not? But yeah, it's, it's just, it's a, it's going to be. And of course, anytime I see this, I think I get flashbacks to last year and then I get nervous and then I just want to go in a fetal position because I, I don't want to see us have to go through another, you, you don't know, want to drag through the swamp to get photos. Well, no, there's that. Although I know where to go. I don't have to get through the swamp this time. That, that was erroneous, <laughs> erroneous. I stood on a street, literally a street corner. Well, that way, um, that way television can get helicopter shots three weeks later. And claim well, there you go. There you go. See, I think this is an FAA issue now because from my understanding, that school is in the flight path of TIA and no one, not to say we looked into this, but you're not even supposed to fly drones that close to the airport, much less. But the way they get around it is it's like, oh, we got a backup here on Memorial Boulevard. Oh, look, there's Tom Brady at Berkeley Prep. As we swing over here to uh, you know yeah, five eighty, we, we were tipped off of uh, you know uh, about the sort of practice going on over here. You know, we had a source. They had a source. It was a good one too. Prints a lot of newspapers. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how this goes because trying to hold you know trying to keep the interest of uh, what is a ninety man off season roster together is uh, is it at best a challenge. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. So we'll talk more about that, I'm sure, as the weeks go on. Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, I thought this was interesting. So, you know, didn't go out, didn't go that well for Savard the first time out to give up seven goals. I wonder what he was thinking. He's like, oh, great, I'm on a good team. The Lightning are a contender. They won the Stanley Cup. I'm really excited. I'm with Victor Hedman. I'm with the best defenseman in, in hockey. No, now I'm the two, I'm the one on the two-on-ones coming back the other way all night with a backup goaltender. That was a rough start. That was, I mean, and it's not Savard's fault. Um, no. Although three two-on-ones, you would have thought he could have got one of those passes. He could have not. That would have been nice, yeah. Um, but I'm, you're not faulting him. The, the whole team was, that was a bad performance. And as you heard Ryan McDonough say after the game, Oof. you heard John Cooper talk about it. You've heard, uh, I think, Sergachev spoke yesterday. Hedman spoke on Thursday morning about, you know, that was a bad performance, and that's you know that's not what we expect. That's not what the the standard is around here, and and you know we've all got to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're taping this before the game on Thursday night, so one right. of the things coming out of it is John Cooper put the lines in a blender again. Uh, mm-hmm. Alex Barry Boulay is going to start on the top line with Braden Point and Andre Palat. How about that, Ross Golton is moving up to the second <laughs> line with Anthony Sorelli and Alex Kalorn. Yep. Uh, Tyler Johnson's going to be on the fourth line. 
between Joseph and Maroon. You got the Gord Coleman Goodrow line. Savard's going to play with McDonough presumably on Thursday night, and uh, Chernak with Headman, and then Shen's coming in. So it's some you know Alex Barbieri and Shen come in. Uh, so you know you've got changes on the def- defense. You got changes on the, the lines. Um, when you have a performance like that, the coach can get you know can do whatever he wants at that point, and it's you know shake things up and. You know, the offense hasn't been good, but particularly the defense has not been good. Um, I, yeah, I thought it was smart. I mean, when I heard that Savard was going to be with Hebman, it's like, well, okay, that's that's your, your, two, your mm-hmm. two main guys. I get it. And yet he hadn't really played with Hebman. You know, again, I think mm-hmm. it was an outlier his first game when they gave up seven goals. But but Hebman plays a certain way, and, and I think, you know, to have somebody back that's a little more familiar with how Hedman will pinch in and, and you know, just, just understand sort of where he is on the ice, it probably is a good idea to have him with Chernak. I mean, I th- I think Hedman and Savard can work as a pair. Oh, of course. I, I think he'd be really good. But, you know, don't forget with Savard, not only is it playing with a, a defender like he's never played with before. I mean, Columbus has never had a defenseman like Victor Hedman. Right. And you're also learning a new system at the same time. So nothing is instinctual for you. I mean, one of the things, you know, when you come to a new team and you hear this a lot with trades and, and players struggle is, you know, not only new surroundings, new, you're, in, you're living in a hotel, maybe you're not with your family, you know, everything, you're learning new teammates. And, and this year and, and last year too, it can be even as harder with, you can't really get together. You don't get to go out and have dinners on the road and all, you know, all that stuff that goes with it to get to know your teammates. Right. But you don't have that muscle memory. You know, Brian Engblom talks about this a lot, you know, that the, the practice and, and new players, the more practice time they get, and the more they play in the system, they get that muscle memory that, you know, okay, I do this and then I send the puck up this way or I look for this pass here and this. And, and Columbus plays a different system than the Lightning. Mm-hmm. So nothing is instinctual. In this game, it's so quick now. You don't have time to think anymore in this game. Yeah, It's, it's purely get that puck and react. And it's going to take Savard a little bit to, to get to know the system and then to play with a, a, a defenseman like Hedman who's – very unique and very rare in this league, the, the way he plays both sides of, you know, can play offense and defense that it may take a little bit. And maybe McDonough's a better t- teammate for him. And, I, you know, Saturday night you might see him with Sergachev. They may rotate him through all three of the left-handed defensemen and see who he works best. I mean, that's part of it, too, is figuring out who he's got chemistry with. You know, Gord, Goudreau and Colt, people forget before the trade deadline last year, which was shortly before the pause, eight or nine games before the pause, Goodrow and Coleman were struggling on this team and, and trying to figure out where they fit in. And, and they were moving around lines of that. Now together on the penalty kill, they clicked right away together. Mm-hmm. But as far as where they were on the lines and who, the, who they played well as a teammate with, it was a struggle for those first eight or nine games. Um, the pause probably helped them. And then you had a training camp to come back to before you resumed in the bubble and that, and, and that really kind of helped them. And they found where they fit in and they kind of knew their teammates better, but you know, it, Trades, that's that's one of the things that you risk with a trade is you don't know how the chemistry is going to work out. Um, it's going to be interesting. Florida plays, we're, the, you know, this we're, you're hearing this after the game, but Florida's got five new players in the lineup. They traded for five players. I think they're all making their debuts in this Thursday game, or at least I know Brandon Montour is, Lucas Walmark is, uh, Nikita Gusev is making their debut. When you start putting that many new players in a lineup, you don't know how it's going to shake out. It, it could it could spark and really do well, or it could it could look a little iffy. 
Um, you know, that's what Toronto what traded for six players, I think, and there's six or seven players at the trade deadline. Yeah. You, you don't know what your team's going to look like coming out of there. I mean, you, you got skill. I mean, you, you know, obviously, you know, the type of skill you have, but you don't know how that chemistry works. So it'll be, it's going to be interesting down the stretch. I mean, there's going into Thursday night, there's 14 games left for the lightning. So when you're right. hearing this, there'll be 13 games left. Um, but I expect a much more spirited defensive effort on Thursday night. Well, in a way, it's good they're playing this series with Florida because that's mm-hmm. a rival. They've had some really uh, spirited games. They're both familiar with each other, so there's mm-hmm. no secrets. You have to play the right way. Um, and, and, of course, Vasilevsky back in net. I, I was wondering, what, like, what happens when you hang a, a goaltender, much less a backup goaltender like Curtis McElhinney out the dry like that? Like, does somebody go up to him and go, yo, man, <laughs> we're sorry? Like, Yes, yes. I, I mean, I would uh, – Brian Engblom, we talked about this after the game on, on Tuesday night on Lightning Radio. Yes, you're going up to him going, that, that you know, our bad. You know, yeah. I mean – you know, even if you did that to Vassy, I mean, there are games that Vassy may, you know, keep it a two goal game when it should have been seven or eight and you're doing that to him. I mean, sure. Um, That's tough because he's not playing much and he, you know, he missed the start because of whatever injury he had. And then he's got a, he's got a hard enough job and then I'm not going to, you know, look, I mean, you're getting paid, whatever you're getting paid to be a number two goaltender in the NHL. That is the job, right? You have mm-hmm. to be a guy that can step in there without many reps, but that's that's particularly harsh because there was one or two of those goals he might have you know maybe he should have had or would have liked back but most of those goals were just great play I mean two on one man rushes yeah they get the pass through I mean you know there's nothing he can do about that yeah well we'll see if he uh, of course in the Lightning bounce back over the weekend the Rays have a big series starting in New York against the Yankees is is it going to be Bean Brawl up in the Bronx what do you think I wouldn't blame the Rays. No, I wouldn't either. Here's the position they're in, though. They can't – you know, they don't have enough pitching to really waste anybody. But by the same token, if somebody throws at them, then they warn both teams and they don't get to retaliate. So you're almost in a position of, well, should we draw first blood before they aim at our guys? But the thing is, if you look at the Yankees, their pitchers don't hit people. Unless they play the Rays. Unless they play the Rays. And then they hit the best players, and they (laughs) hit them up high and near the helmet. And, you know, know, and I'm – I don't know if those were intentional pitches by Jordan Montgomery the other night. Uh, the second one I don't believe was. Um, although I, I think once you warn teams, I think you kind of have to you know, eject them at that point. But the first one certainly looked like it could have been intentional. I, I don't know his intent. Right. But it's amazing how that happens every time the Rays play the Yankees. Isn't it, and, though? And, and knowing that the Yankees think they're better than the Rays, except they can't seem to beat them lately. <laughs> no. But you know, if if you talk to them and and oh, know, they would, do. They, I mean, they think that they're the best team in the division, except they can't beat the Rays, and then you start hitting the Rays. So, if I'm the, Ra- I mean, I don't think this turns into bean brawl because I think the Rays, right now, their offense is struggling. You start putting free runners on it, you're not helping yourself. Right, and your pitching's not so deep that you want to waste somebody out there either, unless you're going to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the other part of it too. Is you know, you're gonna willing to lose a pitcher out of there, and 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 you've got so many injuries there, you're not that deep. So, I don't think it does. But Kevin Cash has it wouldn't shock me. He's got a stable of guys. Throw a hundred, right? So, but right now we need them to hit a (laughs) hundred. I know they're all hitting. They're all hitting a hundred. I mean, hopefully, you know, we're taping like I said, we're taping this before Thursday's game. But Brendan Lyle has looked lost at the plate. 
Now he had a home run in the ninth on Wednesday. He's come night. back a little bit in these last couple games. I think he had two hits uh, yeah. on Wednesday, and then he had the home run. It was yep. late. It didn't matter. But, but he's, got, he's obviously it. got to get started. I mean, he's, he's the guy. But also, I mean, Randy Orozarena, you know, I know he's hit a couple home runs and, and some loud outs, but, you know, you were the World Series hero, and the question was always going to be okay, but. Well, and he do it for 162 games. He's you know? swinging a little too hard, I think. I think I he's think. swinging for the fence on every pitch, and that's sure looks like it. You know, he he's got enough power. He didn't have to swing for the fence to hit him out, right? You know, make contact, make good plays. Sutsu goes lost. No, he's he's he's. I, you do know, you do you think he's going to get DFA'd at some point? At some point, if he if he's he's not he's a liability on defense. If he's not going to hit, what do you do with him? Well, you know, assuming you can get 100 percent healthy, yes, or they'll trade him. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got to get, but most likely based on his contract, you're going to have to DFA him and eat the, eat the money. Right. I don't know who's going to take that contract. I mean, it's, just, it's, that's, out, that's it's done true. after this year, but you know, but until you get G man Choi back, right. You're going to need to write him out. Yeah. You know, I mean, until you get some, some guys healthy back, you know, you're not going to do that yet, but mm-hmm. if he continues like this. How do you keep putting him out there? I don't know. I mean, they, the weird thing is, you know, they they took him out of the leadoff spot. He said that uh, he felt nervous up there. He felt a little pressure. You know, or he's feeling mm-hmm. pressure. Um, and then they moved him down to seventh. And wouldn't you know, um, you know, the base running mistake the head of the head of the other day by Yanni Diaz, not scoring on a ball that was a double kicked around right field for a half hour. Um, so then G Man comes up, <laughs> you know, of course, yep. and you get you know the weak pop up and a strikeout or whatever it was, whatever combination the next two outs were. Yeah, if you're Rodney Linares there, you held him up at first because you thought it was going to be played cleanly in the outfield. And then you said yeah. go, but by then Yandy Diaz had already put on the brakes. Well, but he had put Linares, on the brakes, no, but he, he still could. I mean, don't you want to force the run? Don't you want them to well, make two good throws to get well, you out? What I'm saying is if you're, if you're Rodney Linares and knowing the way your offense is going, you had to send him no matter what there. That's what I thought. And he took, you know, I mean, Diaz is slowing up. Because I guess he's holding him up, but he, he took his eyes off of him because yeah. quickly thereafter he's got the windmill going right when he sees the ball, yep. ball get kicked. So they both kind of were at fault. But I'm with you. Like as soon as that ball gets knocked, you know it's going to take a, a weird bounce in the corner. You don't know that they're going to have trouble yep. picking it up. But I was you know, sending him the whole way. I would have been making them make two perfect throws to get me because I need yep. some. I need something to get me going. Like I, I need yep. to to force. Now, you know, by the same token second and third nobody out you got to score something right i mean you can't that's but, not but, the, but the way this team is batting and you were near the bottom of your order at that point that's why, true what faith did you have that you were going to at this point yeah I mean, you're right i mean i don't you know he didn't make it look it, was it the right baseball play that he did hold him at first and then send him yes but it, just knowing everything going around this team at this point and how they're not hitting yeah i didn't have faith that they were going to score a second you need to score and, and yeah. if they would have it would have been great but I, you know I didn't have faith that they would. Right. You know, they're not, they're just not hitting that well right now as a team. Well, they're not hitting um, at all. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I think you had to send him on that one, but I will say on Wednesday, the defense looked a hell of a lot better. It did. They got us some jams and uh, Diaz did a nice job at first base on a couple of those. They turned yeah, a couple picks, double a couple of unconventional and... double plays. Uh, yeah. Diaz looked really good at first base on Wednesday. Threw guys out at home. I mean, you know, it was, uh, it was pretty impressive. And that was the thing they, if they got any offense at all, they 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 yeah. wriggled off the hook. They had bases loaded, nobody out one time and got mm-hmm. out of it. You know, yeah. like you don't see that very often. And so their opportunity was there. They just could yeah. not. Josh Fleming looked great. He pitched great. Yeah, just gave up the one home run. In, yeah, what five plus innings? 
five plus innings, and and I like the way he works fast, man. <laughs> he pitches away. I like to watch baseball quickly. I mean, if I'm a fielder behind him, he's my favorite pitcher. Period. Right. I mean, you're not wasting any time out there. He gets the ball and let's go. He rarely shakes off the catcher. He gets the ball and throws it. Right. Love it. Right. No, I agree. Totally agree. Um, but we'll see. You know, that it's going to be an exciting series no matter what. And, you know, right now it's the Boston Red Sox surprising everybody, you know, heading into uh, this podcast. They had won six in a row on the road. Well, they lose um, again. I, well, yeah. And, and and I think most people picked them in this division for last. Ultimately, maybe they end up there. But at the end of the day, you know, the Yankees and, and the, the Rays are all kind of struggling, scraggling around here at the towards the bottom the sub 500 record and, and somebody's somebody's going to get some separation. You know, you can't, they always say, well, you can't win a, you can't win a pennant in April. Well, you can certainly start to lose one and you don't want to fall too far behind. I know it's not a 60 game season like it was a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the same token, you you just don't want to have to dig yourself, you know, seven, eight games below yep. 500. Um, now, if I believe at the 15 game mark last season, mm-hmm. the Rays were seven and eight. Okay. And then ended up forty and twenty. I mean, you know, they went on a, a thirty-three and twelve tear after that. Well, and that's but that's the thing. Like you, you can look at that and you can say glass half full. That we've we you know they mm-hmm. they've dug themselves out before. But think about what you're saying. That team finished six or forty and twenty. Right. I mean, they had an unbelievable run. Right. So are you counting on that happening again? Are they going to catch fire like that? I mean, uh, well, but could they pl- could maybe. they play twenty games over five hundred for the next one hundred and 45 could. games. I they mean, could. That's, that's very doable. You um, just you just know what I mean, though. I mean, yeah. it, it, you don't want to fall that far behind. You, you don't want to fall behind. But my my whole thing is, is if you can stay around 500 at sure. worst, sure. you know, through the first month of the season, you're you're in okay shape. Sure. You know, and it's, you know, right now they're, what, a game below 500, two, something like that. I mean, they're they're close there. Um, I think they're two games below 500. You know, I, we don't know what they did Thursday night, so obviously it's not up to date yet. But you know, if stay close to five hundred, maybe a couple games, a game or two above by the end of the first month, and and you know, figure out how this pitching staff's going to settle out. Figure out where you're going to, how you're going to pitch. Got you know, is, is Rich Hill going to start? Is there going to be an opener in front of him or Chris Archer as well? Michael Waka, what you do with him? Mm-hmm. How Josh Fleming? You know, is Brett Honeywell going to come up again? And and what role are you going to? try to lengthen him into a starter or, you know, could he be an opener for you? You know, I think they're going to figure some of this, the pitching staff out, particularly with some of the injuries and, and, and figure out where guys slot in. And, and then, you know, hopefully at that point can make a run. Um, so, you know, just stay, stay in the race, stay 500 for now. And, and you're okay. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, it's still early and, and we're always going to say that to you get to what Memorial day, you know, that's when they start mm-hmm. to see separation, but they, yep. They got some things to iron out, and they they've uh, got to start with the bats because they're just not built to be a team. They're going to have to play a lot of close games. They got to score some runs. You you may not score ten, but you 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 certainly can't give up five, and you can't be shut out as much as they have. I think I saw where heading into um, I guess it was Thursday night game they had the second worst run differential in the in the in baseball in all of baseball. And I I'm I'm one. I don't look at a lot of stats. I do look at that one. I do think run differential is important and mm-hmm. um, you know, they're just not scoring and they're giving up a bunch and, and uh, that's a, it's a bad recipe. So they'll, uh, they'll be playing the Yankees and uh, yeah, it should be a, a busy weekend. Of course the, 
The Lightning have uh, another game with Florida. Florida on Saturday, and then they'll have back-to-back against Carolina on Monday and Tuesday. So the top teams in the division, they're playing the, the other two teams the next four games. Yeah, chance to come out on top. And uh, at that point, they'll probably be 12 or so or games before the end of the regular season. We'll get into the postseason. So, yeah, it's almost here. So we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, we're here every Monday through Friday. Um, thanks for listening. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 